Welcome to the I Made This Few podcast with your host, Joel DeGenia. On today's episode, we have Rob Dozier. Rob is currently the assistant coach with the Indiana Pacers G League team, and formerly he was on the Washington Wizards player development staff. We talk about how he got into player development, learning from Joe Hanlon, and all things Washington Wizards. I hope you enjoy. Rob Dozier, welcome to the I Made This Few podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. And obviously, you being a little sister of mine, I'm proud of you that you're doing all this and it's super dope to see, super dope to see the guests that you've already gotten. Obviously, you're taking a little step back here, but thank you for having me on. No, of course. And don't sell yourself short. Rob works with the Pacers and previously he worked with the Wizards. I want to take it back from when you were in St. Louis, because that's kind of what I'm fascinated about, because I hear so much about St. Louis. What was that like growing up for you? So first I'll start off. I'm by on the Illinois side of St. Louis, but it's such a small, like the metro area is such like a small kind of click and like, especially in the basketball world, kind of just everyone knows everybody. And growing up, I mean, it's, it's just like super competitive. I, I think the talent back then was just like, there was talent everywhere. And for me growing up, I kind of like challenged myself to be right in that talent. And that kind of led me to play for the St. Louis Eagles, which is now Bradley Beal League. So that's kind of when I got in that mix with that team, that's when I, you know, started being around Jason Tatum and started being around Bradley Beal and Jordan Goodwin. And those are all names that everyone now knows. But like back then, you know, Jason was kind of the only one in Brad. But besides that, you know, we kind of, me and Jordan kind of, came up together, played in the same conference in Illinois and everything against each other. So to answer your question, it's very competitive, um, not very forgiving, if that makes sense, just because people will kind of just, you know, if you take a step back, people are just going to step right over you. It was, it's a very good area to grow up from that standpoint, just because you got you to gotta learn a lot. You got to learn how to survive in that world through sports and so that that was kind of the best thing for me just because I was playing I was always playing against people that were better than me. What was your college experience like? Yep so I played uh, out of high school I went to Southeast Missouri and then uh, after Southeast Missouri I transferred to a small division two school called Quincy University um, and played four years there but within that my freshman year I hurt my knee and this is probably going to be one of your questions but I'll just keep going. That's kind of when I figured out when I wanted to start training. A lot of it was just because it was kind of like a realization, like, okay, the ball's going to stop bouncing. And it's like, what are we going to do after this? So with that, like at Quincy and stuff, I basically just started working out my teammates and um, putting them through workouts and like, obviously I'll work out with them. But that's kind of when my like training stuff started. Obviously, a lot of that has to do with Drew Hamlin and like me following him and kind of seeing how he got to where he is and done I guess a miniature version of it but yeah that that that's kind of when it started for the training stuff was just it was like a big wake-up call in a way um when I was playing in college that the ball is going to stop bouncing was it easy to realize that like you probably weren't going to make the next level after your injury I think that because of how well I knew basketball like it started for me early and like it kind of started for me it's kind of bad to say, but like when you don't go high major, right? And you go to like a small mid-major. My school that I went to out of high school, like had one previous NBA player before that. Like, so it's like that kind of, I think, 
made it where I thought about it a little more coming out of high school. But it, it did, it took me to get hurt to be like, all right, we got to figure this out. We got to figure out what we're going to do. And so, I mean, I, you can say it's a blessing. It was a blessing in disguise. I didn't realize that at the time, but now looking back on it, I feel like I've kind of got a head start in the whole process. I feel like you hear a lot about player development and the coaching. Obviously, that's such a high demand job that people want when they realize that this their career yeah. is but it's so hard to get spots in those roles. You talked yeah. a little bit about Drew Hanlon. Can you tell us more about your experience working with him and how that helped you? For sure. So going back, like when, when I did get hurt um, and then I transferred to Quincy, so Division two schools, they don't do summer school, right? So with that, I started going out to LA with Drew and basically, you know, I would work out, but also he, I was just around and I got to see him work with, you know, Bradley, Jason, Joel, Kelly Oubre, RJ Bear, like all these guys. So it showed me one, like how he does everything. Like, I feel like everything I do is some sort of something that he does. Like I got, I got part of it from him. And then it, it was, it was good for me because I was still working out. So like, I think where a lot of trainers mess up is they try to teach stuff that they can't do, right? Where like, I can feel like I can do most of everything that I teach, which makes it easy to show. It makes, makes it easy for the guy I'm showing it to to see it. I don't know how many times within a workout, like I'll show a guy something he'll be like, oh, see that before he does it. And then, but I think just like, also with Drew is just like, that interaction piece with the players. I think, I mean, you know, like I'm, I'm really close with a lot of players, but I think it's just because I've never like forced anything with them. And that's one thing that I really learned with Drew is like, if they want that interaction and they want that, like they're going to seek it, right? But it's like where people mess up is they just step over that line like a little too early, right? But I think a lot of that part, like the interaction piece has come from Drew. And I think that because of that, I guess, trust level, like I feel like we get more out of our players because they know that like we care about them on a way deeper level than the NBA player, right? So like, you know, I know, you, I mean, you see how I am with Brad's kids. Like you see like that, that's on a way deeper level than anything basketball. They know we care on that level. We get more out of them. Obviously I learned all the little regimens of the training and stuff through Drew, but I think like the interaction piece, just how to interact with the player, it's like not giving them too much where it's like, overwhelming but it's like focusing on what they need to focus on and then having that relationship too to, that they know like we care about them and it's way different than just a coach player relationship you know what I'm saying yeah that makes actually a lot of sense because I always wondered how do you build that trust because you were super close with some of the players and like I would see you around a lot I'm just like I, like, I didn't know if that was normal or not. I think also, too, though, is, like, the age part of it. Like, I'm really close to all their ages. So that, too, is, like, one, I can still get out there and, like, give them a look or, like, whatever. But then, two, is, like, I can relate more. Like, I kind of, I understand what they're going through more than the 60-year-old assistant coach or what, you know what I mean? Just, like, whatever. But I think age has a lot to do with that. I, I never asked for anything. And that, that's like my big thing. And like where a lot of people in these guys' lives, like that's all they do is ask for money, ask for this, ask for this. Like, I just want to see them get paid. I don't want to get paid. I want to see them make the most money for them and their family and move their career towards where they could want to move it to. 
your relatability, do you think that is why the Wizards took you on? Uh, I think the relationship piece, um, one that I had with Drew and the relationship Drew had with the former GM, Tommy Shepard, then obviously what really helped that was my previous relationship with Bradley. And I, like, I'm not afraid to say that. Like, I, like a lot of people like will make up this big story why they got hired. I'm like, no, I know why I got hired. Like, it's because the people you know, but that's life, right? But when I stepped in the door, like that was all, everything was up to me at that point. I think when I did get in the door with the G League team, one, it was just like the best ability is available. That's some of the best advice I've gotten. So because we were in the same facility, it kind of allowed me to help with both teams just because we didn't practice at the same time. And so because of that, I was around all the time. I was already had a relationship with the coaches and the players with the Wizards. And then with Jordan Goodwin, with his kind of aggression, that was kind of like my body of work, if you could say, uh, within the building. Now, he's done it all, like, but I feel like I've helped him, and I think he'll say the same thing. So between like those, I guess, two or three things, it was easy for me to transition into a role with the Wizards last year. When I tell people, yeah, I was with the Go-Go, the G League team, and then I got pushed up to the Wizards, like, oh, shoot, like, I understand it doesn't happen. But I think just because of what I showed in that first year, in that short six-month period or whatever, it was enough to show that I can do that with the NBA players and um, kind of take it to a next level. And that was what was cool was, like, with me and Jordan. It's like, when we stepped in the door, we kind of had the same trajectory. And that was what was dope is because he pushed me just as much as I pushed him. And so – um, being able to like move up with him that was really dope so but yeah I would, I would say like the relationship factor like for sure I have a lot of questions about player development when it comes to the, uh the Wizards because <laughs> we'll <start here. laughs> um I think it's like I also come from a fan for, like not anymore like I don't care about them anymore but um I guess I'm curious from a fan perspective do you think the Wizards fairly get criticized for the amount of work that you and like the team put in to like develop these guys? Um, I think that fans are big on looking at the big picture and then trying to break the big picture down into little pictures and like, okay, what's not working, right? And I think that player development is just easy to be like, oh, they're, like they don't know what they're doing or like whatever it is um because of how hands-on we are right but what i don't think or what i do know is like they could be criticizing us and we don't even work with the player that they're mad about right like i mean i think i said like i work with bradley and jordan so people would be mad at me because brad's not playing like i have nothing to do with that right <laughs> but it's like people people think that you know it's something we're doing so to answer your question Yes and no. I think that there were things with the Wizards that we could have been better at. I, I'll throw myself in that boat just because I was on the coaching staff or whatever, but it's like, I do feel like some of it was fair. I don't think all of it was fair because what fans don't know too is like, how hard is that guy working? Like, the fan might want it more than the player. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, there's a whole, there's a bunch of layers to it. 
I guess to answer your question, where like fans just look at it, the record, and be like, oh, it's got to be the player development, or it's got to be the coaching, or it's got to be this, got to be this. And there's like, yeah, it could be, but there's also a lot of factors that go into it. What was the Wizards culture like? How were you guys drafting, or like if you were in those sessions, like when you're thinking about the missing piece, what does that look like? Because there's so much on that team that's confusing, kind of. I think that. One, I had very little to do with the draft process. I'll start by saying that. But two, um, I think that this, it wasn't that it was like an eye for, like, it wasn't like, oh, they can't evaluate talent. Like, you could argue, like, we, like, they drafted by the book in a way, um, where, like, I think their three or four last draft picks, like, they were projected to go where we drafted or where the wizard drafted, right? So like, it's not like, oh, they just took a guy at 10 that's projected 23. Like, it's not like that. Like everyone that we've taken has been relatively like accurate from where they were projected, right? And so I think that, how do I say this? Where they could do more of is like getting to know the person. Because I think that you can tell a lot about the person really quickly, like I, I heard a great quote from Draymond Green, right? And it was like, he was basically talking about, he was asked like, if you can tell if a player like loves it, right? And basically Draymond's answer was like, you can tell in three days of being in the facility if they really love it just by when they get there, when they, mm-hmm. right? So I really love that because like, it's so true. Like it's so true and that's where I think that, like, you know, but but that goes back to, like, knowing the person and, like, knowing where, knowing what motivates them, knowing where, like, you know what I'm saying, where I feel like they look really good on paper and on film, but maybe you don't know the person. And that's where it comes back to bite you in the ass or whatever, where it's like, okay, maybe he doesn't work as hard as we thought, or maybe he does like, and I'm not bashing any wizard stuff. I'm just saying from a whole, like, perspective of drafting in the NBA. I think that you can tell so much more about a player by just sitting down and talking to them or like seeing how they look when they're in the facility. But to their point that at that point it's too late because you probably already drafted them and like whatever. So, um, and like I say all this, but like guys can change. Like you can Mm -hmm. change. Like I've seen that or like, Guys may not be the hardest worker, but then they realize how far back they are and they become better. They become more of a, you know what I'm saying? So um, to answer your question, I think that it, it is very hard because you're literally investing millions and millions of dollars in an 18, 19-year-old kid and hoping that it works out, right? Where it's it hasn't been, I think that, Maybe they could have drafted different positions, maybe. But, like, I love what they did this year. Bilal is great. Like, he's young. He's hungry. He's one of the hardest workers I know. Um, you know, I think Johnny will be better. Like, he he's just – he had a lot going on that people didn't really know about. Like, he had a kid right before he started summer league. He had, like, a lot of stuff that people don't know. And that's why kind of you saw his progression at the end of the year because, you know, he's kind of figuring Corey's been Corey's been great. Like, Denny's going to be better. I think Wizards fans are impatient, but rightfully so. 
because it's been so long. And so I get that part of it. But to answer your question, I think just, I think GMs can know the person more mm-hmm. and not so much of like this, what he did in college, this, how he looks on film. So I, I, I think that's more of it. Do you see the criticism like after the game? Like, are you on social media after a game happened? Like you see those faces and it's like... <laughs> 300 people just like going insane for no well not no wizards wizards twitter community is a crazy group but they're passionate and i think sometimes they think they have the answers and they don't they are quick to jump to a conclusion but yeah i mean i see it like but it's i've kind of been around it so much and i've like been friends with these guys for a long time but it's like I, i see it all the time but it's like, if it was about me, I'd probably go crazy. But it's, so, like, it's so interesting to me because the Wizards fan base on Twitter like doesn't translate to the games. And like when you go to a game, it's like either empty or they're all for the visiting fans. I feel like disclaimer: I am a somewhat Wizards fan. But I feel like <laughs> Wizards fans are some of the most delusional people I've ever met because like the fan base doesn't translate to real life. I think. Yeah, I get that. Um, I think that what you see on Twitter, and I think it's like this with every sports team in America, is like there's going to be Twitter voices, right? No matter how many people come to your games, no matter how many, like there's just all, like that's Twitter. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just going to be Twitter voices. I mean, I think, you know, some of it's fair, some of it's not fair, but I feel like that's just sports in general, especially now with these things right here. You know, like you can sit in your mom's basement and tweet crazy stuff and it never and no one ever finds out who it actually is i think yeah there, there's definitely some fair criticism but i think that's why you know ted's made the moves that he did this off season and uh, i mean i like just because i don't work there like I, those are all my people like i, I want Kuz to be an all-star i want jordan Poole to be an all-star like i want those guys to have really good years and um i hope the wizards are good i think it's going to take some time but um, no, let's. I think that it would be a good step in the right direction with what they're doing. So it's just like such an interesting dynamic to see people switch up on the players so fast. Where it's like I'm less inclined to be on the fan side than it's like me wanting to. Right. When Brad left, I felt like I was fighting for my life, just being like, I need you guys to like touch grass. The reaction was so insane to me that I yeah. didn't know that like a passion like that existed in like the Wizards fan base. So I think like that's where I'm coming from. Prior, I was like, okay, I get it. Like the organization couldn't do some work, but I also was just like, the fans need to relax. And then like when Brad left, I was just like, you guys just need to go outside, take a breather. <laughs> and it's really that's also, I think it's because. One, Brad doesn't defend himself, which, like, fair enough. But also, I feel like people don't, like, know him as a person. So, like, seeing the criticism, I'm just like, damn, y'all are, like, like, y'all are yeah. talking a lot about someone that you don't know. And I think that, like, the one part that would get me frustrated is, like, when they thought he didn't want to play. Because, like, I was back there when, like, he was hurt. And he was like the most pissed off person in the building because he couldn't play. And so that's like, like, you know, he gets hurt in Milwaukee and like he literally looks me in the eyes like, man, I just want to play. Like, and so it's like, I see that. And that that's kind of when the very few times I would get a little upset. It's just because it's like, you know, like 
is is Bradley. Like he wants to be out there more than anyone, right? And so he would only not be out there if he couldn't be out there. And so that that's when it would get like, ah, right, come on now. Like, but with the amount of games he missed and whatever, that's an easy narrative to paint on, right? And so um I think that yeah, I mean that are they fair? No, but you know, they 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 get their little points off sometimes, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah. But, uh, it's but, like a broken uh, clock is right twice a day. Yeah, but I think uh that that you know, it's the Wizards fan base too, but I feel like that's every fan base on Twitter. Like they or X, I'm sorry, Elon. But um it's just like that that's the world we live in. You know what I'm saying? I feel like most people don't realize like this is just a job at the end of the day. Like this is your job. This is like the player's job. Like, you can do stuff outside of basketball and be like, okay. But I feel like fans just think like they are there for their entertainment. I feel like they like dehumanize them a little bit where it's like they take them out of that realm and like it. they don't look at them as humans sometimes. I feel like they look at them as like a product. And it's like, like, why isn't my phone working? Like, why, you know what I'm saying? Like, why isn't my phone doing what it wants to do, like, what I want it to do? And it's like, yo, like, they're people too. Like, they have families too. They go through the same problems you do. I'll say to whoever listens to this, is like, you never know what they're going through. And like, just keep that in the back of your mind when you are trying to get your little tweet for five likes off that, five likes and two retweets or whatever it is. But it's like, I think that that's where people forget is like they're humans too. They have families too. Like, and so that's where I wish it would get a little better. <laughs> I also think it kind of got worse when sports betting became so pushed to the forefront. Um, it's like you're losing money off of people that are one, they didn't tell you if they were going to play tonight. Like you don't know their injuries or whatever. And like, you're mad at them because they lost you money, like quote unquote or whatever. But like, no one told you to put money up on them in the first place. Exactly. And like, I think where the NBA messed up is now they're back. So now like, they're basically like, I, I saw some crazy tweet that was like the NBA made, it might have been close to a billion dollars on betting. And it's like, people don't understand that it's like, they're making all this money because you guys are putting your little parlays together or whatever. But then they wonder why, I mean, I'll be fully transparent. They wonder why stuff like that happened to Brad in Orlando happens, right? And it's like, that's because you're allowing the people that are sitting right on top of you, right behind your bench, to be in this realm. And it's like, what do you think's going to happen? <laughs> like, I feel like I should ask about the Pacers, but like you just started. I can talk about it a little. Um, I just accepted the job to be um, a Indiana Pacers assistant coach with the Mad Ants, the G League team. So, uh, I mean, as they've kind of, the audience can kind of tell, I've been in the player development realm for since my sophomore year of college. And so I think that this move um, to be an assistant coach with the G League, one, it's going to give you that more coach's experience. I've kind of shown that I can do a lot of player development stuff. I've worked with a star, but then also I've developed people too. So it's like that side of like, people know I can do that. Now it's about showing I can do the scouting reports, showing I can do walkthroughs, showing I can sit on the bench in a game and do whatever. So um, 
I'm excited. Like it's, it's going to be really good. Everything's in Indy this year. So um, it's going to be different. Um, but I think for my long-term goals and stuff, it's exactly what I need to be doing. So that part I'm excited about. And I ask every guest this, and this is how they close it out, but what do you want your legacy to be and how do you want to be remembered? Um, it's funny. Someone asked me some, something similar to this the other day. And like, I think they like, like other people's success, like around me and like, just like whatever footprint or like touch that I have on their success. Like, um, like when, when Jordan Goldman got his contract last year, it was one of the best days of my life. And it's like, because of, we worked for two years leading up to like that moment. And like when he put his name on that dotted line and it's like, what people don't know is like, we grew up together, right? So it's like, when he did that, like when he got paid, that like that's what we talked about from the day we both got to DC. It was like, yo, you're gonna sign an NBA contract. And not a lot of people thought he was going to. And so it's like those, that little success and like, um, you know, like seeing Brad be an all-star again and like seeing Brad win like that, for me, like that, that's, it's not my legacy, but just like seeing people around me succeed and like if I have the littlest part of it, but just seeing them get to where they want to go, because ultimately I know that's going to get me where I want to go. Right. And so um, I don't I guess I don't really like the word legacy, but it's like that would be if we're talking about anything like that would be where I would hopefully want to get to is where I'm affecting other people's success and it's affected mine. Thank you for coming on the show. I feel like I learned a lot and I feel like my wizard slander needs to go a little bit down. <laughs> I felt like I was criticizing the Wizards organization a little bit too much. But. <laughs> no, it's all good. I, he was a passionate fan, that's all. But no, like I said to start, like I think what you're doing is dope. I think that um, you're going to keep getting amazing guests and you're obviously really good at what you do. I want to thank Rob again for coming on and I hope you guys enjoyed the episode.